Today we are focusing on the diverse London Borough of Brent and how Central and North West London NHS Foundation Trust have made positive changes to people's lives by employing staff to support those hard-to-reach communities so they can access and use services through community-centred approaches. Welcome everyone to our 31st Now series of podcasts brought to you by Good Thinking, London's digital mental wellbeing service, which provides round-the-clock mental wellbeing support for those living or working in London. This is Sonia Etetwani at Good Thinking, and in this podcast, our clinical director, Dr Richard Graham, is in discussion with Yolande, Brent's health and wellbeing community connector, and Josh, the high-intensity CBT therapist at Brent Talking Therapy Service. We all know there are communities who find it hard and difficult to find the right support when dealing with feelings of sadness, low motivation, sleep difficulties or stress. In this episode, we listen into how Yolande fits into local communities and supports those living within the borough and the many issues faced by families, especially in today's climate. We also hear from Josh, who provides CBT therapy for people experiencing common mental health problems, such as mild to moderate depression and anxiety. It's clear to see that using a supportive, trusting environment, things can be done differently to bring a positive change in mental health and well-being. Over to you, Richard, Yolande and Josh. Thank you, Sonia, and thank you, Yolanda and Josh, for joining us today. I wonder if we could hear a little bit more about the work you're doing in this incredibly important borough of London, Brent. Yolanda, you're a health and well-being community connector. Can you tell us a little bit about your work? And Health and Wellbeing Community Connector is somebody that actually works for the community and works with the community. I go out into the community, I speak to the residents of Brent, find out what is it that they need from us, what is it that we're not doing, what is it that they want to know more about. Especially with mental health, there's so much things going out there, but not a lot of people know how to actually reach it and get the help that they need. And that's something that I am doing, trying to link different organisations with the residents of Brent, especially the young people, because the young people need it the most. The Black African and Caribbean, the Asian groups as well, because there's a lot of stigma in regards to mental health. That sounds fantastic. And it reminds me a little of, of what we try to do at Good Thinking, which although we do is online, we try to reach out to people where they are and then start to help them think about and understand what support is there for them. A really lovely way of trying to engage and support the residents of Brent. Josh, if I could turn to you. Now, you have an interesting job title. You're what's called a high-intensity CBT therapist. And that, uh, presumably that isn't anything to do with lasers, which... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, well, tell us something about the work you're doing in, in mental health. Yeah, so I'm a high-intensity cognitive behavioural therapist um, and I work at the Brent Talking Therapy Service. So we're part of the National of NHS Improving Access to Psychological Therapies Service. We offer talking therapies for people experiencing anxiety and depression. My role is supporting people through cognitive behavioural therapy, a form of therapy that's fundamentally based on the idea that the way we think um, and the way we feel and the behaviours we, we carry out are all interlinked. So we aim to help people to sort of make changes in areas of their life that might be holding them back or, or causing them to feel anxious or low. So it's a very practical form of therapy. And, and I work with clients with a range of difficulties ranging from sort of depression to sort of chronic worry, sleep difficulties and panic attacks. So we, we offer therapy on a one-to-one basis, but also in, in workshop formats as well. So people can get to connect with other people who are feeling just the same as them. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. With that issue of stigma, as, as Yolanda was describing. But also great to hear that 
there are just really practical ways of people being able to do things that will, I guess, make them feel healthier and happier. CBT is something I use on myself day to day um, because it's so practical and lots of the skills we teach also help with overall well-being and it, and it is very practical so it is stuff that we can sort of learn to apply in our day-to-day lives. Great we'll come back to think a bit more about what it might be like for somebody to come and see a therapist like yourself a little later but I thought it might be helpful at this point as well for you both to share something about what it's like to both grow up now work within Brent. A lot of people will have heard of Brent and probably been there, but tell us something about Brent. I've I've loved growing up um, living in Brent. It, it's such a vibrant community, um, and it really does have a strong sense of community spirit. Um, and it's probably one of the most diverse parts of London, um, but also probably in the UK. And I think according to the latest statistics, there's I think over 149 languages spoken in Brent. So it's a very diverse borough. And I think I've been very fortunate to grow up within this community because I've learned so much about different communities. Also being a big football fan, living in a place where it's home of English football, Wembley Stadium. I can actually see um, the Wembley arc when I go running in my local park. So that sort of makes me smile every day. Such an iconic landmark, isn't it? Yolanda, you've also grown up in Brent and are still there. So you're both big Brent fans, I guess. I mean, what, what does Brent mean to you, Yolanda? Brent is a lovely place. There is so much culture. There's so much ethnicity here. There's so much you can learn. There's so much you can do. The people here are very friendly. When you're in places like Brent, you do feel like you're at home. And I feel like this is what my parents and other parents came to Brent for because there's places here that you can get your own stuff that you can get from back home. Talking about food, cosmetic. You've got places like Carlsden where there's so much culture there. And I feel like I'm privileged to actually work in the community that I live in. I, I think you both might have just put up the property prices in Brent by quite a, <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> I guess there's a, there are other sides to Brent, though. And, and one of the reasons for us talking today is also recognising, as we're in the middle of COVID and our third lockdown, that Brent has also been a borough that's felt the impact of COVID in quite a difficult and perhaps even bad way. and Clearly, the relationship between COVID and mental health has been quite significant. I guess you're also seeing some of those impacts coming from the pandemic. Yolanda, perhaps I could ask you something about that. Are you seeing any trends from the impact of COVID on on the residents of, of Brent in your work? I feel like it's been a big change. It's affected so many people, especially Black and Asian people and the people of ethnicity. I feel like that mental health has now been such a big issue. I feel like this is now the time to actually challenge it and take away that stigma. There's so much anxiety. There's so much of the unknown, low mood, no sleeping, worrying all the time. I feel like it's been such a negative effect that we now need some positivity in Brent. We now need some hope back in Brent where we can stay together as a community. We are going to work on our young people, we're going to work on Brent, we're going to make it back to the place where we all loved before. It's sad that we had lost so many people in Brent and unfortunately we were one of the highest highest boroughs in um, London to lose so much people. So in addition to all the worries and, and sort of low moods that have come with COVID, there's been a terrible amount of loss and uh, I guess any listener will be thinking our sympathies are with you both in trying to support um, 
the people of Brent, but also I think it's a really important point, uh, Yolanda, that some of the things that you've raised can't sort of be helped. Uh, you can help with them quite easily, and people shouldn't suffer needlessly when there is help and support available. But um, it's, it's very sad to hear about all of those losses on top of everything else. Josh, I mean, working in the Talking Therapies Service, I mean, clearly you're on the front line of are there, are there any trends or themes of, about what you're seeing? What do you think the, the residents of Brent might be able to do about that? Living through sort of this pandemic um, can be really unsettling for people and understandably cause lots of feelings of distress that suddenly having to adjust to these very, very strange circumstances. And this in itself can put a huge strain on our mental health and well-being. And the way in which I've often been framing it is that it's a very normal reaction to exceptional circumstances that we've been facing. And we know that as creatures of habit, we, we tend to not like change. We don't like the unknown. We, we don't really like sort of uncertainty. For a lot of us, we will feel anxiety when facing uncertain situations. And understandably, our brain has been picking up on the signals that there is sort of this uncertainty out there, which has triggered a lot of anxiety in a lot of people. And I think it's normal to feel anxious. And, and we've noticed that people have been experiencing a range of strong and unpleasant emotions on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, I've noticed people have definitely been feeling more worried than usual. People have seen huge, drastic changes to how they're living their life. And almost overnight, again, one of my key messages to people is that there's no right or wrong way to feel. The key is just to be able to feel what you need to feel. And I've noticed there's there's been a sort of quite a, an increase in anxiety actually relating to coming out of lockdown. And I think that's something me and Yolanda might talk a bit about later on. But also there's been, I've noticed a lot of people having difficulty sleeping. So sleep routines have been largely disrupted due to the change in routines, working from home, people on furlough, um, the increase in anxiety, which we know really does affect our sleep because it really keeps the body alert at night. So it's really hard to switch off. A lot of people have been experiencing sort of a lot of worry, worry about the future, worry about what's going to happen next. And this has led to what a lot of people describe to me as overthinking because a lot of what's happening at the moment is outside of our control. Given the tricky brain that we all have, our brain likes to be in control and, and predict what's going to happen next. So we can see how that can easily trigger an increase in people's anxiety. But also I've noticed um, the low mood side of stuff as well. And um, people haven't been able to do their usual hobbies like going to the gym, seeing friends. And we know that when we're not connected with the things that give us a sense of meaning or enjoyment, that can really, really affect our mood. And a lot of people I've spoken with haven't been able to use their usual coping strategies of maybe going and meeting up with a friend when they're feeling a bit low or anxious. So that's also had a big part to play in, in people's sort of mental health and well-being. That's, that's a really good point that I guess in lockdown, we're all kind of deprived of those things that really do boost our moods and help us stay active and keep that sort of really nice cycle of doing good things and positive things that then keep you going, keep you feeling lively. Yolanda, I mean, that's quite a list of, of different issues that Josh has, has raised. Are there things that make you think, yeah, that's become a real issue for many people in Brent over the last uh, year, I guess now? There are so many people who are experiencing this and I just feel like number one is probably just anxiety. You feeling very anxious, not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow or in a couple of months time 
just feeling really low in mood because you because obviously you're constantly worrying you're constantly overthinking you're now putting yourself in such a low mood that you can't get yourself out of it and the things that you used to do to get yourself out of it you can't do no more because you get penalized for it you can't leave your house no more you can't see your friends or go to the park I can't go and see my girls basically I can't go and see other family members I can't go see my boys I can't see nobody and if I'm feeling like this now I know I'm not the only one a lot of people are on furlough and a lot of young people then that means we don't have jobs we don't know if we're going to have a job after that for the young people it's just a stress we're getting bored and it's quite hard just knowing all of that and I just feel like that's when you start to feel lost you start to feel like you don't know who you are and I feel like we've all suffered quite a lot and we suffered enough Well, I know many of us, but especially young people, are desperate for lockdown to come to an end. But I I think you you make so many really important points about how many of us are feeling the same, so we're not alone in those feelings. But I think at the same time, and perhaps we just don't do this enough, really acknowledging, perhaps even praising young people for how many are sticking with the guidance, they're observing social distancing and all those important measures. But it is at a cost to them. You know, they're, they're, they're giving a bit of their life up at the moment to protect others. So it's, it's a really amazing time in that sense that so many people are, are doing things to support others. Even down to school children, they, had, they, they are the most that are at loss. It's so hard. I give it up to all the parents, all the guardians, all the people who are at home homeschooling. I fully give it up to you guys. You lot are doing amazing jobs. I give it up to the teachers and the TAs. Homeschooling is not easy. And again, because of this pandemic, because it wasn't controlled properly, we could potentially lose a whole generation. And having the students all in one one class learning together, it's been really hard. And they're the ones that probably suffered the most also university students who have to pay nine grand still to go to uni but I'm sitting in front of the screen. There are lots of worries in that sense that the price is, has been very very heavy and, and in some cases you know the worst possible when people have died but I guess at the same time I think you're also saying that people are almost becoming heroes in their own homes and, and doing the best they can but I wonder Josh given all, all that Yolanda said I mean you must hear this a lot of all the all the things that people can't do the frustrations and then the stress and anxiety I mean are there any tips any advice that you could give at this point that might help someone do something to help them stay resilient help them keep going Definitely. I think the first step is is acknowledging how we feel and noticing when we are feeling anxious and, and not being harsh on ourselves for, for how we feel because often that becomes a big part of the battle. We, we often shoot ourselves with two arrows. The first is the one that we can't control, so sort of the pandemic. And then we often come along and, and sometimes unintentionally shoot ourselves with a second arrow, which is often our response to sort of how we're feeling. And we can often be quite critical towards ourselves for not as we perceive it coping and that can really affect our anxiety levels in itself but with with anxiety if, if you are noticing that you are worrying a lot and the first step is is trying to work through what you might be worrying about sometimes it can be helpful to get your worries down on paper just because they look a bit different when they're outside of your head but we want to try and separate your worries um, into what we call sort of helpful and unhelpful worries helpful worries are the worries that we can actually physically do something about so like if I'm worried about being late for work I can set an alarm the night before but we also have unhelpful worry which is the worry that I typically see in the clients I work with which is 
hypothetical worries, those what-if scenarios, those sort of future-based worries. And, and these worries typically make us feel more anxious because there's nothing we can do about them. So our brain, being the problem-solving machine it is, it just goes into this continued cycle of worry, trying to find a solution. So what we can do with those sorts of worries is, is practice letting go of these hypothetical worries. Some people do this by trying to refocus their attention onto other tasks like moving room or, or doing something different. Some people actually, and I know this might sound um, funny, but actually setting a worry time. So actually setting sort of 10 minutes in your day where you can sort of come back to all your, your worries from that day and it gives you that space to sort of process them. And then it allows you to be off duty from those worries throughout the day. Some people find sort of what we call grounding exercises helpful. Um, this is fairly similar to um, mindfulness. So there's lots of great apps. And I think even on the Good Thinking website, there's some really good resources. But focusing on sort of trying to ground ourselves in the present can be helpful with anxiety um, because often when we're feeling anxious we're in our heads we're sort of often in the future we're, we're catastrophizing what we want to do is try to slow things down and, and bring our attention back to the here and now and a few ways we can do that is just focusing on our breath even just taking 10 slow breaths can really help reduce the intensity of the anxiety i've had some people actually find um, splashing cold water on their face helpful or listening to music naming the sounds around you Getting outside for exercise and trying to really sort of focus on what you can see, what you can hear. And if you can't get outside for whatever reason, just even sort of stepping outside or opening your window, noticing the temperature of the air and, and how it might feel. In terms of low mood, if you're noticing that you are feeling quite down, we know that when we do feel more down, we often don't have the motivation to do stuff. And we might procrastinate more and we might feel more tired. So actually... One of the best things to help when we are feeling a bit low is actually activity levels. And I know I appreciate this is really hard during a lockdown, but trying to structure our day. I know a lot of us are working from home, homeschooling, um, but it's really important for us to try to maintain as much of a routine as possible. I've heard from clients that by keeping a sense of routine, it's helped them to sort of feel a bit more secure. It's helped them to manage some of those anxieties about the unknown and the uncertainty. And there's always three types of activities I often recommend to people. And I try to hit my free a day myself. It's activities that give us a sense of enjoyment so things that do give us that sense of pleasure trying to do stuff that also gives us a sense of achievement and finally when we tackle something that we might have been avoiding for a long time that can also in the long run make us feel good so it sounds like we have to approach each day almost like we might think of a, a healthy diet of making sure we're getting exactly yeah it's often how i approach it with clients a bit like how we're recommended to get a five a day i often ask clients to look at their activity levels and what they're doing and the types of activities they're doing to see if they can get more of a balance of these types of mood boosting activities into their day that's something again quite simple you don't have to be thinking a great deal you can just focus on those little activities that will just give you a bit of a boost exactly yeah well i was thinking of something you said earlier josh but I'll, I'll ask this of yolanda first that you would think we would all be wanting lockdown just to come to an end immediately just go back to what's sometimes called the new normal i think it should really be the better normal do you think it's going to be that easy just to come out of lockdown are you hearing things about again that change of going from quite a lot of restrictions and frustrations to actually being able to move a bit more freely i feel like it depends 
because there's some people who cannot wait for lockdown to end. (laughs) There's some people who can't wait to go out and just live their best lives. And I feel like it's just something everybody wants to leave behind. But at the same time, reality does show that there's many people who also feel a bit anxious of coming out of lockdown, feel a bit anxious of the unknown. Are we going to go back to lockdown in the winter? Is summer going to be the summer that we used to have? Is it safe? First of all, there's many people here who don't think it's safe because there are many people who are a bit anxious and we have to support those who are. Are there any other thoughts you've got, Josh, about the way people might come out of lockdown? Because I guess sometimes if we take things one step at a time, it can sort of build confidence that everything's going to be okay. I always use a quote of a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. So take it easy. Don't sort of throw yourself into a huge sort of social gathering straight away and pace yourself. Um, If you need to grade it and think about sort of what might be a manageable first step and, and see how you get on with that. And socialising is a bit like a skill, right? If we haven't if we haven't sort of practiced it in a while, we, we might start to feel a bit anxious about our social skills and how we might cope in, in a large social situation. It's not too much, but perhaps like Goldilocks, also not too little. It's something in between that we, we might want to try and do at this time. Definitely. And, and it's a bit like riding a bike. We want to build our confidence up again and gradually take those stabilizers off as we do feel more confident. But again, I think it's, it's being kind towards ourselves because getting back out there and, and socializing again can be really anxiety provoking for a lot of people. And that's OK. Um, go at your own pace. I think that's where sort of the self-compassion could really help. It can be really daunting going back out to something that seemed so long ago. And I feel like what Josh is saying is correct. Do it at your own pace. You don't have to rush into a big crowd. You don't have to rush in to go meet every single person you haven't seen in ages. You don't need to rush into putting yourself in a situation you don't you don't feel comfortable in. It's like at the end of the rainbow, there's a gold pot there. Take your time and reach the gold pot. Yeah, I work with a lot of clients who experience what we call social anxiety. Um, It's primarily where we feel anxious in social situations where we fear being judged or we fear embarrassing ourselves in some way. And what I found in in the first lockdown is actually quite a few people with social anxiety have felt really relieved because they didn't need to socialise. They didn't need to go into the work office every day and face people. So I found a lot of people who experience social anxiety are feeling understandably quite anxious about having to engage in face-to-face interactions again and that's completely understandable and I think the same tips apply. I guess you've you've touched on compassion there towards ourselves Josh and, and towards each other but I'd like to go back as well Yolanda to, to something you mentioned earlier which is that some communities have experienced such devastating losses that again, just going out into the world where COVID still is there has a much more troubling aspect for those communities. Um, if you're feeling really low, you're feeling you're overly worried, you're overthinking, um, you're anxious, I feel like don't neglect yourself. Try and figure out what you like to do and what you want to do. So is it if it's that's listening to music, if that's going for a walk safely, if that's, you know, playing a few board games, reading a book, whatever, just do it. Being in this lockdown and being by yourself, especially for the young people, it's really hard. And um, especially when you're going to bed, that's when our brains are overthinking. I definitely feel like just making sure you take care of yourself is so important. Even the littlest thing will help you boost your mood. It makes me think as well that 
One way we can neglect ourselves as well, Yolanda, is also not always sort of accessing the help and support that's there. Because I guess sometimes those racing thoughts at night, as you, you very powerfully describe there, can really get out of control. And, and, and it then can be really important to try and see someone like Josh go to a talking therapy service and, and have somebody who can you know, really sort of take a step back and help you think about what's going on. Like I said um, at the start, there are many um, mental health organisations, especially in Brent. It's just about how to access them. And I feel like Josh has made such a good point today, talking about talking therapies, resources on good thinking alone. That would be, it would be a great start to look into that as well. And I feel like it's time we say goodbye to the stigma, especially for the Black African Caribbeans and for the Asian communities and start asking and looking and accessing help. And I feel like the sooner we can get this done, the better. I understand there's generational issues, but for us young people who need the help, I say if you can go and get it, go and get it. There's no wrong or no right answer of course you've got to do it when you are ready but there's no harm in trying and accessing this help we are here to help we are here to make sure our community is safe and i I guess many people might be worried about seeing a, a therapist like josh sometimes people worry about being judged although i have to say josh you seem at least during this podcast perfectly friendly uh, yeah, um, i don't buy it i promise uh, well you're either that or very professional <laughs> anyway it, it might be interesting to for people to hear a little bit about then what it is like to take that step where you go to a talking therapy service either first call or first appointment we do try to make it as comfortable as we can by developing a space where clients hopefully feel safe enough to be able to talk about how they're feeling picking up the phone or, or making a referral is not easy and opening up about how you feel is is really not easy um so I, i'm always humbled by client's strength and their ability to talk about some of the really upsetting and distressing stuff that they've been going through. With the Brent Talking Therapy Service and the IAP services in every borough, the self-referral process is really quick and easy. So you can just go onto uh, the website and, and complete a form which literally takes about five minutes or less. If you want to find your local talking therapy service, all you need to do is just pop onto Google and type in your borough, local borough, and and then type IAPT, and then it will come up with your local um, talking therapy service, which you can self-refer to, um, or you can even go through GP, so GPs can refer you as well. I know in Brent, you can call us as well and refer over the telephone. But once you've made that first step, one of our colleagues will then contact you by phone or email to arrange an initial appointment. This initial appointment is usually over the telephone and it's just a brief appointment just to gauge what you want help with and to discuss with you the different treatment options so that we're making sure that we are offering you treatment that's going to be most effective um, for your needs. And then following that initial appointment, you'll either have a a further assessment or go straight into your, your therapy sessions. So we we do offer the therapy in different ways in Brent Talking Therapies. So some people like attending our workshops. Pre-pandemic, they were face-to-face and and they were brilliant, but we've we've adapted really well. And and at the moment, they're all online. Um, The feedback has been great. And so we do run wellbeing workshops. So it's really skills-based. So it's not like group therapy, but more a place where you can learn really practical tools and techniques for sleep anxiety, depression. Um, But we also offer one-to-one therapy as well. Once you've had your initial appointment and assessment, you'd be allocated to a therapist who you'd be seeing for your treatment sessions. 
And we really try to make it a space for you to explore sort of what, what's causing your, your distress and, and ultimately what's going to help you to move forward and reach your goals and, and live a more fulfilling life and, and move in the direction that you want to move in, really. So it's a very collaborative process. And I always say to clients, we're working as a team. I'm not the expert. The client is always the expert in their experiences. And I happen to be trained in CBT. We sort of hopefully help get the client to the place where they do feel better and able to cope by themselves doing something where you're you're taking a bit of courage but you're also being kind and, and kind of making it a comfortable step where it's it's not too much but perhaps like Goldilocks also not too little absolutely and I really do appreciate that first step can be really really tough but you've got nothing to lose by doing it and if you have the initial appointment and you don't feel it's for you it's fine but the amount of people I've spoken with who felt so glad that they did take that step and they did pick up the phone and and it's been life-changing for a lot of people that I've worked with well thank you so much for sharing all the amazing work you're doing in Brent I guess Joshua also saying that lots of other parts of London will be doing similar work with those talking therapy services. I don't know whether we need to do something kind for you both now to reward you for your hard work, but we're going to move into a section of the podcast now that has also been very enjoyable in terms of getting to know the people we talk to. If we were about to enter lockdown again and you could take three famous or prominent people into lockdown with you, who would you take? Who would you take into lockdown? said three people can there be groups as well yes i suppose okay i know this group is not together and haven't been for many years but i love this group so i have to take destiny child with me i love a destiny child really i do i'll also have to take johnny depp because i love johnny depp (laughs) ah you're you're counting destiny's child as one as one group yeah because they're a group (laughs) that's that's like (laughs) <laughs> self-compassion to the limit i think okay definitely well, you're you. doing good work and i'll have to take jamie fox with me yeah that's okay. the three <laughs> you've got five which, which is quite lucky. Intrig- thank goodness you, you're sticking to the covid guidance if not my <laughs> suggestions but I, are, are destiny's child going to get on with each other of course they will okay <laughs> you'll be doing some community connecting in there i think so <laughs> okay well there's going to be plenty of entertainment and a bit of drama given a couple of actors thrown in as well so <laughs> although i think jamie fox is musical as well isn't he so, he is yeah and uh, beyonce's not been uh, unknown to appear in, in films so let's hope you've got a big place josh how observant are you going to be of the oh. question <laughs> oh. i think my my house is going to be boring compared to yours <laughs> My first choice would be Samo Farah. Uh-huh. Reason why I'd have to bring him with me is because I want—I really want to run the London Marathon in the next few years. So I'm hoping he—he he would sort of help Amazing. me in my training. And um, if he's listening as well, do you get in touch? <laughs> um, and also, I'd have to bring um, the body coach as well, Joe Wicks, because um, during the first lockdown, I was doing his live online yep. exercise classes every morning. So it'd be nice just to have him there, so I don't have to log on to Instagram to, <laughs> okay. to join it. <laughs> And then finally, being sort of a North London boy, um, I'd have to bring an ex-Arsenal footballer with me as well. That would be, um, oh, this is hard. Either be Ian Wright or Thierry Henry. Ask you for your final answer, I think, Josh. I think it would have to be Ian Wright because he's just, he's he's a legend. So yeah, I'd have to bring Ian Wright with me. 
But interesting, you went for Arsenal, given that there are football clubs not so very far from Brent. Yeah, yeah. I've, all, I've, I've got a fond place in my heart for Hendon Football Club, because that's our local uh-huh. team in Brent, and also um, Wembley Football Club. Um, but I've just always been an avid Arsenal fan for years, so it has to be an Arsenal player. So thinking about the two of you, your situations, I think, Yolanda, you're going to have to go into lockdown in Wembley Stadium. Uh, that's the only way I can see that working and Josh you've got three sports people effectively in a restricted environment so I think we're going to see just how intense your therapeutic skills are in terms of helping them calm during lockdown Yolanda we also allow people to take something with them that ideally could be on a, a smartphone or tablet or similar something to read a book or a film it can be a recording of, of an event and and maybe josh would think of something in the sporting world but of course. <laughs> is there something you would want to take with you that might also make lockdown just a little less bitter definitely my disney plus app I don't know what to do without it. Okay. So so in addition to one of the world's most famous girl bands and Hollywood actors, you've got a whole TV channel. And and, yeah. um, I I think you've got a very interesting approach to restriction, which is to to max out. So, okay, what on Disney Plus, though? Are are you a Marvel Universe person, a Star Wars person, or a Disney person? I'm definitely a Disney Pixar person. I love animations. I love Disney princesses. I love everything about cartoons, all of that. Well, I I think you might be sharing your space with some princesses if media reports are are what they say. (laughs) So, Josh media or or something that you could listen to watch the obvious obvious answer would be bringing um the premier league with me um (laughs) i'm considering i've already sort of got three athletes in me i think i'm gonna go for a book so and this is a book that i recommend a lot of people to read this book it's called the happiness trap and it's written by Dr. Ross Harris. Yep, um, yep. And it's based on the principles of acceptance and commitment therapy. And it's just a book that I, whenever I am going through a tough time or, or I notice I'm feeling more stressed, I always dip into this book because it's just a brilliant book. And I think it's a book that would really help if I was in another lockdown and um, needed that sort of guidance. And actually, we're big fans of Ross Harris' good thinking. He's, he's quoted in various articles, so very smart choice. Finally, Yolanda, you're allowed a luxury I, I, I can hardly imagine what you're going to ask for. <laughs> what, what, what would your luxury be to take into lockdown? I'll have yeah. to take with me plantain as much as I can. That's all I need in my life. I'll fry it, I'll bake it. Okay, so quite a sort of homely, <laughs> ordinary thing that you could take with you, but it would just give you great comfort, I guess. Yeah, okay. and pancakes. No, I know. I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> I, I wondered what would happen. But uh, yes, you've sneaked something else in. Um, so we'll stick with Plantain and draw a line. Josh, you're going to have a luxury. Oh, it would have to be um, coffee, ground coffee, fresh um, fresh ground coffee, because I wouldn't be able to go for my um, runs with Mo Farah if I don't have my caffeine. Yes, I don't think it's going to slow him down. <laughs> no, no, he won't be having any coffee. So three exercise sports people, you're going to give them caffeine. <laughs> In lockdown. You better get the Russ Harris book out at the same time. Right. Well, thank you both very much. Um, It's been really lovely to talk to you. And I'm sure so many listeners are hoping all the residents of Brent who have been through so much challenge, so much loss, are going to come through for a better normal 
we know that with you there, with them working away, there's a good chance that will happen. So thank you so much. So thank, thank you so yeah. much for having us. Yeah, it's been, been a pleasure.